Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here with a very special Move the Sticks episode coming to you from the Pac-12 Media Days. And, and Bucky, we've had a chance over the last two days to spend a lot of time talking to some of the top players in the Pac-12, as, as well as the coaches. Yeah, this is a fascinating uh, environment, the chance to sit down with some of the coaches, sit down with players, and to just dig in and ask about the most important position on the field. Yeah, the most important position being quarterback. We've kind of dubbed this the year of the quarterback, and it just so happens we have several right here in the Pac-12 when you're talking about Josh Rosen from UCLA, Sam Darnold from USC. We've got Luke Falk up at Washington State. We also have Jake University Browning of Washington, Washington with Washington. a very, very productive Jake Browning as well. So we want to talk about not just these guys individually, but the quarterback position as a whole. So we've got a chance to talk to a lot of these coaches, asking them about not only these kids, but asking them about what they look for in the quarterback position. And, Bucky, the answers we got were quite fascinating. Very fascinating. I love getting a little insight and perspective. And I think what is interesting is the differences in terms of the core traits that every coach looks for. It kind of explains why there's such a challenge in finding enough field generals to lead these respective programs. All right, well, let's not waste any more time with our introduction here. This is, again, I think it's one of the best podcasts we've done. It's fascinating look at the quarterback position, not only this class, but the position in general. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, excited to be joined by UCLA head coach Jim Mora. And, Coach, i got to tell you, first off, I owe you a thank you because – when I did my audition with NFL Network, I snuck. I was still with the Eagles, so I snuck a way to do this audition. Oh, maybe <laughs> try this TV thing out. I didn't. I didn't have a suit, so they had a rack of clothes. I think it was Jamie who was doing wardrobe. Said this looks about right. So I put on. Look on the inside. Says Jim Morris. Said, no, Coach, at NFL Network, left me a suit. <laughs> yeah. Did I leave it there? Yes. Just you look, there? I don't. You might want to check on some suits. So you're you going to wear Jamie over. Dukes or mine? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. You weren't going to wear. Yeah. Jamie Dukes. That would have been a tough on the ego if I had to throw on Dukesies. Uh, but anyways, man. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. Uh, as we get rolling, you and Bucky sit here talking. You guys talk about high school kids all day long. Come man. on, we can talk about high school, college, or pro guys. That's it. No, Bucky does an amazing job with the seven on seven. Team. I've seen. I've been to a couple of tournaments, and your juice, man. Your energy. He's intense. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, you he takes the, you seen him take the field? I was up there at the opening. No, with he's him walking yeah. with a purpose. Yeah. I mean, there ain't no messing around. Some of the guys are, uh, and he's like, here comes Bucky. I'm like, oh, shit. The other guy's got problems today. You know, Coach, obviously, um, quarterback-driven league, you have one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Just give us a little insight on Josh Rosen. You hear so much about him, but you coach him every day. Mm-hmm. What is Josh Rosen? Josh Rosen is evolving. Josh Rosen, I've known him since he's about 15. He's good friends with my daughter, so I've got insight into him. He's a young man that has really matured in the last six or seven months. When football was taken away from him because of the injury, um, it's the stereotypical story of someone that realizes how much it means to him and they never appreciated it the way that they should, and now they do. His attitude has improved. His work ethic has improved. His dedication, his leadership the seriousness about which he takes his craft. He understands now what it's like not to have it. He understands what it's like to stand on the sidelines and not be able to help your team, and it made a huge impact on him. He's been coached by three really good coaches now, and a lot of people would say that might be a negative. I think it's a positive because he's a guy that absorbs information. He loves information, so being with Noel Mazzoni and his style helped him. Then being with Marcus Tuyasasopa, who was a great, gritty, tough player, young, they connected. Now being with Jed Fish, who has NFL background, has worked with three Super Bowl-winning coaches as well as Spurrier and Harbaugh, coached some really good players. Uh, it's all adding to building a really, really good player uh, if he can stay on the course that he's on right now, and I believe that he will. I think he's figured it out. And... Uh, I'm excited about him. He, he's tremendously talented, oh, what arm strength. He's more mobile than you would think. He's bright. He can diagnose defenses. He can throw with velocity, touch, distance. Um, he makes great decisions on the field for the most part. We've still got to work through. You know, this is what my, my, my uh, problem with Mike Vick always was, and it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Mike would never concede a down. You know, a lot of great quarterbacks, they concede the down. It's over. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to get to the next down. And Mike wouldn't concede a down. And Josh has that mindset. I'm not going to concede the down. And sometimes that leads to an errant throw, a bad decision. So we've got to get him through that. You know, hey, it's okay to throw it out of bounds. And let's either punt or go to the next down. So I gotta get, we got to get that mentality in him. But I'm, I'm excited about him. And if he, if he can keep working hard and stay healthy and keep a great attitude – uh, he's capable of tremendous things. All right, excited to be joined by talented UCLA linebacker Kenny Young. And, Kenny, first things first, who's the best quarterback in Los Angeles? I couldn't even give it to you, honestly. <laughs> I, would have to, I would have to play him first. <laughs> After hitting him, no, but knocking him out the NFL, a couple of times. I'm talking about the one at your school and the one at the school that's a couple miles away. Um, They're total two different guys. Um, You know, how, how Sam go about – his day is totally different than Josh Rosen, you know. And the things that you see on TV is not always what you get behind the scenes. Like, I know how Rosen is yeah. behind closed doors. Um, but I don't know how Sam is. Yeah. So, to say that, uh, only thing I could judge is based off Sam's performance and what I know off of Josh Rosen. But I will say that they are handing, you know, they're handling the position as a quarterback and representing um, being a top competitor in the right way. I must say they have they share those common things. All right, excited to be joined by UCLA offensive lineman Scott Quisenberry. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, I'm, it's awesome to be here with a bunch of the 
star dudes from the Pac-12 and uh, all the coaches. It's, it's good to be here. Uh, do you have a relationship with any of these guys from other schools previously? Uh, yeah, you know, I played against uh, James from Cal. I went to rival high schools with Jacob Alzadek from Arizona. Um, you know, you meet some of the guys through recruiting and all that stuff, and then obviously I'm here with my guy that you guys were just talking to. Uh, so. Kenny. Well, so much of football is always focused on the quarterback, but I've learned in my time that the center is a guy that really controls a lot of the things that goes on. So when you have a quarterback like a Josh Rosen, a guy who is regarded as one of the top quarterbacks in the game, how do you guys work together to make sure that everything on offense flows smoothly? Uh, you know, Josh and I are always talking about this, the ins and outs of the offense, and, you know, we're always trying to be on the same page so that way, you know, there's no confusion. So it's good to just talk to him about protections, the run game, and then for me it's awesome to pick his brain about coverages and stuff like that and stuff that I don't usually see, but when I can see it and how it can benefit the offense for us. So it's, it's, it's awesome. We've been on the same page since he's been back. You know, spring ball was clicking. Everything was going well. And, you know, it's obviously you can't replace a guy like him. So last year it was tough, but this year it's going to be great to have him back. Who's the leader of this offense? Um, you know, I would probably say this season Josh has done an extremely good job during the spring of taking command of the offense. You know, I think it's kind of a dual effort between me and him, but there's other guys that come out and work every day and lead by example, like Colton Miller or guys like Soso and Bolu who run hard every day. Um, so it's, you know, it's good to have multiple, like multiple leadership roles on offense and, you know, everybody kind of takes command of their position and, then with that, we're going we're gonna to be a good team this year. What don't we know? You know, Everybody's going to dig into it whenever Josh decides to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. But what's something that maybe the people on the outside don't know about him that you know being around him? He's just a world-class guy, man. You know, you can spend all day with him and, you know, just get along with him. And, you know, football might not ever come up. You know, there, he's so enamored by this the world itself. And, you know, he has such an interesting perspective on everything. And it's just fun to just talk to him. He's just – you know, he's a special guy, and it's you can't really replace a guy like him. So it's, you know, it's just fun to be around him. You know, it's funny because you talked about that, like when you lost him last year, how it was different for you guys. When you're in the huddle and you have a Josh Rosen in the huddle, does his mere presence bring about a different level of confidence when it comes to we're going to win because our dude knows how to get us in the end zone? Without a doubt. You know, when he comes into the huddle, it's everyone shuts up, and it, we're locked in. We're ready to go. So, he uh, he brings this just different tenacity, and it's just even now, like more so than last year, he's just grown grown up so much and grown into such a tremendous football player. I mean, he's been a great one since his freshman year, but you know, I think he's even better now than anything that anyone's ever seen. So, hi, right, Bucky. Excited to be joined by uh, USC quarterback Sam Darnold, spending some time here with us. Sam, we wanna we wanna get to this year and talk forward, but. Real quick, I want to go back to last year for just one question. Mm -hmm. uh, at the Rose Bowl, watching that game live, and, and you've heard plenty about that. I just want to know, what was the play call on the touchdown to Deontay Burnett? What did you see, and, and how did you, how'd you make that choice? Yeah, so we had two shallow crosses and a drive in behind it. Um, and then, you know, we had a clear route, basically, on the, on the uh, opposite side. And so what it was is I was reading the shallows, and – kind of you know it was my bad I was missile locked on Deontay I could have hit Juju easily for a shallow he would have gotten like 10 yards 10 12 yards and uh just kind of I guess skip progression just kind of felt something with Deontay and I saw green grass you know in in the post uh in between the cover two safeties they were playing Tampa mm -hmm. and uh Deontay felt it too I guess and I saw him kind of running that way, and so that's why I kind of pump faked. I wasn't quite sure what he was doing. And then, you know, I saw it pretty clear, you know, that backside safety, uh, 
held pretty tight. And then the uh, Mike linebacker kind of froze after my little fake mm -hmm. and was able to fit it, you know, right in between them. Threw them open. It was beautiful. So, Sam, when we go into this next year now, now you've got a year under your belt, so more of the leadership role kind of kind of fall on your lap. What have you done during this offseason to kind of assume that role, and, and what's your style? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm definitely more of a, you know, uh, leader by example, I guess you could say. But, um, you know, I'm learning how to lead vocally and learning how to lead the guys and, um, I think you can only learn by experience too. Uh, so being an older guy, you know, me, me, Jake Browning and Cam Smith were talking about that last night. It's kind of, it's kind of weird almost to, you know, kind of redo the high school experience almost, you know, coming to that upperclassman and become one of the older guys leading the team. And, you know, I think it's really interesting, but yeah, I'm definitely taking it on and, you know, guys, guys respect me. They, they respect what I have to say. And, you know, I'm not going to be too much of a rah-rah guy, I guess, and I'm more of a guy that's going to bring someone aside and tell them, hey, this is what you got to do and this is why. Um, so I think the big, one of the big uh, things that I've learned in terms of leading is kind of showing guys why rather than just telling them what to do. When we look at, when I got a chance to study you and watch you over the summer, Sam, I mean, you're going to hear so much. You've already had to answer a million questions. The only question, oh, is release, is release, is release. What have you done in the off season in that regard, and how do you keep that? You know, you want to work on in the off season, but now we get to the season now, kind of block that out right. a little bit and just get out there and play. Right. Uh, no, definitely during the spring I was working on it. Uh, you know, before spring ball I was working on it with uh, Jordan. And, you know, during spring ball while we were in it, I wasn't. Um, I was still thinking about it. but And then after spring ball going into summer, I was really working on it. Um, but, yeah, during fall camp, going into season, you can't think about that. You just got to play. And, um, yeah, I've been putting in time to uh, fix it. And we've been doing some little drills, you know, little things to keep reminding myself. But, you know, as we start getting into season, you just want to be able to play the game. Yeah, one of the things when I when I looked at that, it didn't bother me as much because, hey, you got, you're explosive. So when we're looking at guys' release, as long as it's not monotone, and you're not monotone at all, it's got a lot of pop to it. And then, to me, it felt like, when I saw bodies around you, you kind of instinctively kind of tighten it up a little bit. Do you feel that, sense that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's interesting because I'll watch tape and I'll see the release. It's usually when I have a big windup, it's usually when, you know, me and Jordan are talking about this, if I have to make a throw downfield or if no one's around me. But, you know, if I'm in tight quarters and I still got to fit the ball in there, I'm not – I kind of just naturally get it shorter. I don't know. Like, it's kind of just instincts, I guess. But – you know, it's kind of hard to explain. How tough is it to block all of the white noise out when you hear, I mean, I don't know how much you hear on the outside, but with social media and TV and everyone kind of focusing on you, maybe being a Heisman front runner, how difficult is it for you to block that out and to really just focus on your game and focus on what the feedback from the coaches is as opposed to what the outsiders are? Right. You know, it's uh, it's not that difficult at all, really, for me, because uh, I have a great group of friends, uh, family that really keep me grounded. And also my teammates, you know, it's, you know, it's easy to, for someone to get a big head after all that hype and the off season and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, I really just focus on the now, uh, focusing on today. And, you know, I, I, uh, I got to listen to Trevor Moad talk and he's got some great words in terms of just focusing on the now, staying present. And I really do think that's, that's something that I focus on. One of the things we we ask every guy as they're coming into the draft, we hit them with these three questions, Sam. So the first one I'll hit you up with is, uh, what's the biggest hardship you've had in your life? What's something you, that you've had to overcome in your life? 
Right. Um, I mean, the first thing that jumps out, you know, obviously you're going to have tragedy. Um, family members go. Um, but, you know, for me, just talking about football, I think, was the broken foot that I had my uh, junior year. You know, it was a huge recruiting season for me. You know, it's that's the year that usually in high school guys send their tapes out to colleges and get offers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I broke my foot the third game, and I didn't have that film. And so that was something that I had to deal with. I had to go to a bunch of camps, you know, um, that summer in between junior and senior year. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to Elite 11 and did all that, you know, all the camps and all that kind of stuff and really got recognized there. So what has been your biggest highlight in terms of whether it's your football career or off the field? What has been the biggest moment that you're proudest of? Um, biggest moment I'm proud of probably be, uh, I mean, last year, you know, coming back from the th one and three deficit um, that we had in the beginning of the year. Uh, just being able to rattle off a ton of wins and really focus on every game at a time. And I think if we if we keep that same mentality, and it's really good because we have a bunch of guys who experienced that, obviously, last year to this year. So um, I have a feeling we're going to keep that same mentality, and if we do that, I think we're going to be dangerous. So we've hit hardship. We've hit highlight. The last question, then, is who your hero? My hero? Um, probably my, you know, I'm going to shoot both. Um probably my mom and my dad yeah. um, just because of their simple their work ethic that they show day in and day out um, you know it's insane to me you know my dad he is a plumber he has to wake up at 2 a.m. and go to work from 2 to 5 um, in the morning be at a hospital when no one's there um, and then go into the office and work on blueprints and all that kind of stuff and come home at 5 and when I was a kid I didn't realize that you know he was coming home at 5 and still being able to play catch and do the laundry, do all this stuff around the house. So, um, you know, just – and then my mom being a PE teacher, um, you know, all the hard work that she shows um, and the love that she shows for her kids that she teaches. So um, I think just the work ethic and really just the love and care that they show to me and, you know, even my mom to her students, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, eye-opening. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable thing coming from a blue-collar background, taking mm -hmm. that in. Um, in terms of, you talked earlier about your leadership style being a little more quiet, explaining the why. What is the one way that you're able to connect with so many different guys on the team? Because the quarterback is always the leader. How do you connect with them in a way that may not be a rah-rah style or whatever? What is your go-to to try and find that, that common denominator between you and another player on the squad? Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, the easy common denominator that you have is you're going through the same process as them in college. And being a student athlete, I think, you always have something to talk about when you're when you're talking to, you know, a kid that is going through class going through four classes might be struggling, and you have something to talk about in terms of you know this is how you can maybe come back from that, and then you can talk about football after that, and you know when people realize that they're going through the same stuff as you, um, maybe the same hardships as well, then you know you find that common denominator, and you know it's pretty easy to be able to relate to everyone on your team. Last thing real quick, we talked before we went on here. Man, it was a firestorm uh, when, when I had made a comment about how, you know, Sam Darnold hadn't made up his mind yet from talking hey. to people around him. And uh, and this is this is not a foregone conclusion that he's going to be in the draft next year. Can you just kind of clear that up for everybody where you are with that decision? Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I haven't obviously made my decision yet. You know, I'm going to make that decision uh, when the time comes. Right now I'm just focused on the season, uh, fall camp right around the corner, ready to go. So, yeah, I'm just focused on, you know, this year.
Good deal. Hey, that's, that's cool. Sam. Thanks so much for your time, man. Yeah. Stay healthy. Have a good year. Thank you. All right, joined by USC head coach Clay Helton. And, Coach, man, we, we want to spring forward here, but just take us back last year. The Utah game finishes up. Sam comes off of his first start. I mean, did you have any idea at that point in time what you guys were getting ready to do? I, I tell you what, I tell people this all the time. It, it, as bad as my heart hurt after that game, losing that game with 16 seconds left, I actually walked off the field feeling the best that I had the entire season because I saw how our kids played, how they competed, how they had prepped that entire week, and then I saw the quarterback play. And we went into that game, had three turnovers, had some penalties down the stretch that really hurt us in in a two-minute drive. And I walked away and, and told the kids, guys, I love you. I can't tell you how proud I am of the way you're competing. And if you believe in the process, you've gotten better with each and every game. If you keep going down this road, you're going to look up in November and you're going to be really happy. And the trust and the relationships that we had, I'm very fortunate that they kept on down that road and uh, proud of them too because they accomplished a lot. Coach, you got a quarterback that's that's pretty darn special. Um, what what don't we know about Sam Darnold that you get to experience when you're around him like you are? Um, I am baffled by his humility and humbleness. Um, he, you know, usually you get a kid that that's t- that talented and um, uh, a kid that just produces like he does. Um, he's always so worried about the team's success rather than his own individual success, and that's a special thing, especially at that position. Um, he truly believes that individual success is a byproduct of the team's success. And it, it just filters down to the other guys. I mean, when your leader, the guy that's got the ball in his hand every down, has that type of mentality, it filters down to the other guys. So we're very fortunate to have, have him in that role. You know, so now that you have a quarterback that some would deem as a franchise quarterback, going forward when you're in the recruiting process or just looking at the position evaluating, mm-hmm. what are some of the core traits that you now know yeah. that my quarterback needs to have to be a successful quarterback yeah. in this league? You know, I, I, I played the position, and I'm a quarterback coach by trade, and the, the things that I've always looked for, the first thing is always the intangibles uh, because that guy uh, is going to be looked at every play by not only your team but your fans, his body language, how he carries himself, his leadership capabilities, they're going to resonate through the teams. Uh, Then I look at three mechanical deals, and that's basically being able to throw the ball on time, make great decisions, and how accurate you are, decision-making, timing, and accuracy. Being able to get the ball in the right place in the right time, allowing a Juju Smith to have separation and get the ball and make yards after catch with it, and then how accurate you are. I look at Sam. He's a 68% quarterback. You know, his touchdown-interception ratio, very good for a freshman coming in. Um, And then the last thing, and I've always felt this way, is great quarterbacks produce. They produce wins. You show me a great quarterback, you're going you're gonna to have a great team. Uh, there's, there's not too many great quarterbacks on, on bad football teams. And, and uh, you know, I look at Sam and what he's done, um, not only in high school. Uh, I go back and look at his junior year when he was hurt, and I think San Clemente won about two games. And then he comes back his senior year, and they win the CIF title. Uh, same so, thing for us. So that matters to you. So when you're looking at quarterbacks, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just a skill set, but you want to make sure that their team wins, that they're yeah. a difference maker in yeah, yeah, and I, I believe if you're looking at trying to find a true franchise quarterback, somebody that's going to run your team, I, I think his production and how he carries his team and, and the success that they have is important to look at and to consider. How about the importance of, of Sam had a basketball background, I believe, mm-hmm. as well, right, yeah. you know, as a quarterback, played the position. Mm-hmm. How important is it to get a guy that's a multi-sport yeah. guy? 
Well, the last two kids I've had, both in Cody Kessler. Kessler was a great hooper. Yeah, he, he was a point guard as well as Sam. And I, I think there's something to it. One, from a footwork capability, I think in the pocket, the ability to create, I think the basketball intangibles that you bring in and the muscle memory that you bring in. The vision. And, yeah. and, and the vision is the biggest thing. I mean, there are times even our coaches will say that Sam will pull the trigger and we're like, where is he throwing it? And he just <laughs> he sees the open window, his anticipation skills uh, to be able to deliver the ball on time and know a kid's going to be there, I think comes a lot from being a point guard and being able to run fast breaks and pictures change and you see a window and you and you put it in there. So the last kids, that two kids I've had have both been point guards and they've also been two of the better kids I've ever seen with anticipatory throws and vision. So and, and continue to speak to your quarterback background. So when you have a guy like Sam mm-hmm. who has a great freshman year or comes mm-hmm. off and has success, how do you set goals for him? How do you mm-hmm. take a look at his game and say, okay, here's where we need to get to at the end of year two as a starter? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think it, whether you're a coach or a player, you're never a finished product. That's one of my things my dad taught me. He's a 40-year NFL and college coach. You, you never stop getting better. And in Sam's case, he has a lot of God-given physical tools. But it, I love the challenge that we took with him and him accepting of, hey, Go be a student of the game. Go master your craft. Go understand. Start reading front. Start reading rotations of coverages. You're going to be put in positions like you were later in the season, last season, of re-miking, re-sliding the protection. Those are things that are going to make not only us a better football team, but it's going to make you a better product later on down the line for your next step. Um, And he really put the film study in this year of trying to be a student of the game. So we're going to give him the opportunity to give him two, three plays, and, hey, get us in the right play. Hey, if you see pressure coming from your right, hey, re-mic and let's re-slide the protection and get it picked up so you can throw down the ball down the field rather than making a hot throw. Those are things that great quarterbacks do, and that's where his development and his next step is. All right, Coach, I appreciate you taking some time for us, and best of luck this fall. Thank you so much, guys. All right, joined by Washington quarterback Jake Browning here, Bucky. And, Jake, i got to tell you, man, I got a chance to, to watch you last year at the Stanford game live. And, man, you just put on a, a clinic in that one. It just seemed like you're so comfortable and so confident. Where are you at now in just your understanding and your comfort level in this system? Uh, pretty high. I mean, it's third year under the same offense coordinator, which is, you know, something to be grateful for in college football. And haven't had to learn uh, two offenses in college, so it's been nice. And uh, – so, yeah, feeling more and more comfortable, uh, just trying to take each each year, trying to take another step. You know, so when you're thinking about taking that next step, what is the next step for you when it comes to playing quarterback? Uh, I think there's a couple different things. So, obviously, you want to, you know, make sure you don't get away with what got you the success in the first place. And then, uh, you know, being able to convert on some of those those deep balls that I, that I would just barely miss and, and uh, you know, fighting that, that urge where on some of those deep ones I would just think – well, he's so open. I'm just going to get it there, yeah. And not really. I mean, especially with a guy like John Ross. You know, I'm I'm throwing the ball. I feel like it's right on target. He's and catching it, it like a punt. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> can go. I mean, the ones where I did hit him right, I'm like, well, dang, I just completely missed that when I throw. Like, it goes against every your your conscious. You know, yeah, yeah. subconsciously, you're just like, wow, I just completely missed that. And then, uh, as far as offensively and scheme wise, uh, you know, it's being able to check some plays even more so. The line scrimmage, we did a decent amount of it last year, but it was all pretty controlled. And so just being able to recognize stuff, I, I recognize it. It's just 
being able to change it, give us a better look, maybe even more in like the run game and stuff like that. Give me a quick scouting report. You got another receiver coming back now, Dante Pettis. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about him and what he brings to the table. Uh, extremely athletic, a uh, guy that showed up a ton for us on third down in the red zone, which is, which is obviously the two biggest times to show up, uh, and he can do a lot of different things. I think he can play a little bit inside. Uh, he's a pretty versatile player. Obviously returns punts, does a great job in, in the special teams game. Uh, and as far for us, I think going forward for this year, he's going to step into a bigger role. Uh, with John Ross gone, uh, he was the X. I think Dante will probably bump over be the X. But, he, I mean, uh, that being said, you never really know. We haven't even had fall camp yet, so can't give you guys the most accurate thing. But <laughs> as, as far as what he's done in the past, uh, you know, just been a really special, consistent player for us. Got one early against Alabama. I was at that one, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. So whenever we look at young quarterbacks or players in general, we always wonder who they pattern their game after. So when you go and start looking at NFL games on Sunday, is there a quarterback or two that you try and take bits and pieces of their game and put in yours? Uh, I mean, I think all the top guys you, you watch, you kind of say, oh, that's kind of interesting. They do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm not in the media as much, so I'm not really trying to compare myself necessarily to a certain player. I think it's more, okay, well, you know, Tom Brady did this well or, you know, such and such did this well and just kind of seeing how they play the game and, and uh, you know, taking little things from each one of them, trying to be just take what you think fits into your game. I remember when you first started playing there at UW, I'd look back and try to see where you came from, look at your high school background and everything. Give me your numbers again your senior year of high school. Touchdowns, interceptions. Uh, I know we had 91 touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And, like, and he had like four and interceptions, something stupid like and, that. You're just yeah. ridiculous. In one season? Yeah. What were you guys doing? Did, did you ever run the ball? the ball? Yeah, we actually, <laughs> I mean, well, we actually did run the ball a decent amount. We were pretty good in my senior year, so we would we'd throw the ball a lot in the first half and then run it the whole second half. So. And then Jonah Williams, was he, he your left tackle there at that he, time, So, right? yeah, we'd go field and boundary tackle. He was the field tackle. And then Cody Creason, who's played a significant – uh, minutes at Arizona was my right tackle, and then Sam Whitney was my center. Jeez. He plays D end at Boise now. I mean, we had some dudes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Good yeah. night. Yeah. What, what does this Washington team need to do to to get to that next level? You guys are right there. You're you're a Final Four team. You're in the college football playoff. Everybody talks about what you lost. We know the NFL talent you guys have in coming back. Yeah. What do you guys need to do to just get that last little bit? I think it's just sticking to the the same grind that that we uh, that we established last year. And the same routine and, you know, fine-tuning that to, to fit this year's team and, and the personalities that step into leadership roles. You know, it's not not every year is going to be the same. I don't care if you're Nick Saban and this is whatever year for you. Every year is going to be a little bit different. You're always trying to fine-tune to say, okay, what's the best routine? What does the best Monday look like on game week to, you know, try and accomplish things we want to accomplish? So I think it's a day-by-day thing. You break it down and you just try and break it up into small segments. Like, okay, I want to I wanna have a good mon- a championship Monday and then, you know, Tuesday and build it all together. I think just trust in that. And then, you know, I think there's those little things that happen in a season. There's those four or five plays a season that really change it. And, you know, obviously the injuries too. We were lucky enough to stay pretty healthy last year. Uh, and so I think I think it's just a combination of all those things. You guys are you guys are right there knocking on the door, man. And we're wishing you the best of luck this fall. Stay healthy and look forward to, to seeing you guys. I'm going to get out there and see Stanford again. I want to see the rematch. You guys got them pretty good last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right, Bucky, joined by one of the best coaches in college football, Washington coach Chris Peterson. Coach, uh, me, me and Bucky remember going through, Boise going through, and seeing you all those years and looking at all those great players that you had. And here you are at Washington. It feels like you've kind of created a, a Boise on steroids right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the thing that we feel good about is is we um, 
you know, we, we kind of have a process of how we do things. And I think that's the one thing that's um, going to Washington that's really um, was a learning experience for me is everybody really has their own unique way. You think that everybody lifts a certain way, everybody practices a certain way, everybody, and it, it really is that not the case. You know, it's and especially when you have a strong philosophy, which you believe in, mm-hmm. you kind of have a tendency to think, well, everybody's kind of doing this. I mean, we're all doing lifting weights. We're all, you know, practicing. We only get so many time in the meetings with the kids, but it can be like dramatically and significantly different. And so to get everybody going on the same page, that just takes time. And so I think the thing that's nice about now is, is we feel like, um, you know, a little bit like we did at Boise, where it's like at least everybody's on the same page. Coach, you've had so much success on offense. And so anytime, anytime you think about offense, you always think about the quarterback. And so having this opportunity to sit with you, if you could pick one trait or a handful of traits that you look for in a quarterback, what would you say those traits are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty simple because we know exactly what they are for us. You know, we're looking for a guy that first and foremost is a great decision maker. You know, we can teach anybody our system. We, you know, we can teach anybody like, okay, here's the reads, all this stuff. But really that game that's played so fast that you got to make them frag. You know, it's that that intuitive feel that just can make those decisions. He's just like, wow, why'd you go there? Well, my read took, you know, they, they get, it's that next level stuff, which is hard to know, but it's a great decision maker. The second thing would be an accurate thrower. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, hey, the ball, the receiver. You you watch the really great ones, the, you know, the Peyton Man. I used to love to watch tape on Peyton Manning throw that seam ball or that comeback ball way down the field and just stick it on that outside number. I mean, it's like he – I we always talk, like, catch it. You throw it so he, you almost catch it for him. He doesn't even break straight. He just barely puts his hands up, you know, it just sticks on his chest. Like that type of accuracy, not where he had to kind of go up and it wasn't a spectacular catch, but that changes everything, like how the receiver can run with it after the catch, all those things. So I'm taking, you know, it's an accurate thrower, but like there's a different level of this accurate thrower we're talking about. And then we're always into that guy that can operate in confined spaces. You know, the, the great ones are in the pot. I mean, Tom Brady is like the best ever because of how he operates with people you know, blowing up his feet and his knees and his face and just does not flinch. And to have that skill set to be able to do that, you can do some good things. Is Kellen going to end up coaching when he's done? I remember we were both <laughs> scouting at that time, and I remember yes. I, I've never interviewed a prospect where I've thought this kid is – this is such a coach. If he doesn't right. coach, I'll be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, he – you know, if he can hang in the NFL long enough, make enough money, he might not do – he might not. <laughs> but, you know, he comes from a coaching family, his yeah. dad, so – I will be like you if that's not what he ends up doing. I'll be shocked, too. What an impressive dude. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your your quarterback that you've got right now, and how does he compare with with Kellen? Yeah, I always – very similar. I mean, and I I don't really like to compare guys like that, but when it's in such a good way um, and Kellen did – I mean, he won 50 games for us in his time. I mean, I think a lot of people – I mean, he lost three games as our quarterback. I mean, that's that's hard to do anywhere. But um, but just their demeanor, you know, it's just it's just very, very similar. Um, their personalities are a little bit different, but their demeanor is so similar. They just do not get too up. They do not get too down. How you guys spoke to them on the, you know, the radio – that is that's what you get that's what you get if he throws a touchdown that's what you get if he throws an interception and um, I think that's a pretty special quality to have and 
we weren't necessarily going out and looking for that, but, you know, when you pay attention to it, I think it really helps them play the season. Thank you so much for stopping by. I wish you the best of luck, okay. and we'll be following you this fall. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Bucky, joined by Washington State head coach Mike Leach. Coach, uh, appreciate you spending some time with us here. We, you know, from, from the scouting background, we're fascinated by your offense and, and how you developed this offense and where that all started from. Can you give us the Cliff Notes version there? Uh, well, when I when I first got in uh, into coaching, uh, it, was, it was as far as throwing the ball, it was a great time to be in coaching. I mean, you had you had the run and shoot, you had uh, BYU's controlled passing game, you had um, you know Jack Elway, Dennis Erickson, um, Mike Price, kind of all combined as far as uh, you know their three step passing game. You had the San Francisco 49ers and. So we copied and stole from, I would like to think, uh, some really good <laughs> offenses. And, you know, and I think that's the toughest thing on offense is, um, is uh, you know, making choices and putting together a package because there's really good players out there and about as fast – or it plays out there. And as fast as you think you invented something, um, you'll discover – and you might have thought of it independently, but you'll discover somebody else ran it back whenever, you know. And, um, you know, and the biggest thing is, is find ways to attack the field. And then once you make the choices of what you're going to be good at, then um, really isolate your attention and effort around uh, developing those skills so you can execute. So, Coach, you, you've obviously coached a lot of quarterbacks that have had a lot of success. You mentioned Tim Cowher, some of the other quarterbacks you had at Texas State, and even at Washington State. We are fascinated in our league about quarterbacks and what to look for. So when you are evaluating the position, what are the core traits that you look for? in the quarterback position? Well, one thing, I, I think the league, every team's looking for something different, so it's not very congruent as far as what they're after. And then about the time they sort out what they're after, scouts or coaches will get fired, and they're <laughs> after something else. And, you know, because it's funny, because every team's got a first-round pick, but very few uh, are, are playing with a first-round pick, you know. Uh, I, I, uh, I look at um, – well, first of all, I want a guy that makes good decisions. Can you decide who you want to throw it to? Do you make good decisions? And the second thing is, are you accurate? And I hate this, uh, you know, all a guy's got to do is work on his accuracy. Somewhere between the backyard and the NFL, he ought to be accurate already. And then and then the, the, then the notion that, you know, the, his junior high coach you couldn't get him accurate, his high school coach couldn't get him accurate, his college coach couldn't get him accurate. There's nothing so magic about the NFL that all of a sudden they're going to get him accurate. They're the ones, you know. And then, uh, I mean, because you can go get a shortstop or somebody that's accurate. And then um, uh, uh, and then after that, and, and, you know, you can go right through the NFL Hall of Fame. Nobody's got everything. But uh, does he make good decisions, which you can coach that? Uh, is he accurate, which you can improve that. I don't know. That you, I don't think you can just coach it. You can improve it. I can't say that I've ever taken a guy from being inaccurate to accurate, but I, you know, just through constant reps, I mean, they'll improve some. And then uh, does, uh, does he have quick feet? And I like, um, I like uh, uh, quick feet, I think, is most important as far as keeping the ball alive. And there's a difference between having quick feet and being fast. Some guys are fast and don't have quick feet and vice versa. Like, uh, to me, Joe Montana is a guy with quick feet. And then um, uh, then after that, is, is he fast and does he have a strong arm? You know, but those are down the list. I mean, uh, I think a guy's got to be able to throw it 45 yards without it fluttering. Um, you that know, rules me out. 
But does he have to throw at 80? I mean, 80 is for a broken play because I figure, you know, the NFL says that you can protect for 2.7 seconds, and we're shooting for three and a half because we work on it all the time. But uh, I don't have anybody that can run the 80-yard dash in three and a half seconds. <laughs> and so, I mean, and I'm not saying it isn't handy. Like once in a while the guard gets, uh, you know, the, the guard gets his ass kicked and you roll out and then all of a sudden you find somebody that's way downfield or, you know, you, you don't make a good decision. You hold the ball, you hold the ball. Now they've developed downfield and you've got good protection and, and, uh, and then you throw it. It's handy. It's good to have, but, um, you know, then you're you're dealing in broken plays, and you'll have some broken plays, but you want to have as few as possible. Coach, with your with your offense and with Luke in particular, the decision making, how much of it is is pre, and how much of it is post snap? I uh, it'd be both. I mean, pre snap, he wants to get an idea of how he thinks it might unfold, and uh, look at leverage, and then once it's snapped, he'll see it develop, and then he's got a you know he's got a sequence that he. Uh, moves to from there and we let him check the line of scrimmage too you know which because he gets the last look a quarterback gets the last look and the last um, <clears throat> opportunity to adjust to play and it's not just you know to bunker down I mean a lot of it is uh, hey we've got something here I mean there, there's something oh we can't pass this up they might not line up in this again we've got it now you know so yeah coach the, finally when I look at the tape and I'm looking at Luke on offense and I'm looking at your offense it really appears that you guys have a real small package of plays, but you're really good at executing. Is that something that's by design that you just believe that execution beats all of the other stuff? We're going to master what we do instead of trying to trick people with a bunch of different plays? I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, that, that, that's pretty accurate because no matter what, uh, football, no matter how fancy you are, is a game of execution. And, you, you know, uh, Sometimes you talk to the media and they think it's like a, you know, it's like watching an episode of The Roadrunner or something where it's like Wiley e. Coyote, you're <laughs> going to fool them and you got a really cool invention and, you know, and, and, and maybe you'll uh, splat the guy or something. But um, no, it's, uh, uh, you know, because the one thing <clears throat> you can control on your offense, you can control the fact that you run it every day. And if all of a sudden you're grab bagging offense, you run one offense this week and one the next week. Uh, you haven't controlled the fact that uh, you can work on executing it all the time. and Because uh, the defense has to adjust to the variety of offenses they're going to play. And so one advantage you have on offense, you can do it every day. And if you do it every day, you can at least be more experienced and more polished at doing it than they are at defending it. I'll tell you what, Coach, I wish we could sit here and talk to you. I could talk to you for an hour and a half, two hours. This has uh, been a lot of fun. We wish you the best of luck this fall, though. Well, thanks so much. Uh, good luck to you guys. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. All right, Bucky, thrilled to be joined by Colorado head coach uh, Mike McIntyre now. And I know, Bucky, you've got you've got a little history with Coach Mack, but i got to tell him a story and see if he remembers this. But okay. you, I was scouting. We both scouted the league for a long time, right. but I was with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're at San Jose State, so I'm guessing this is 11 or 12 or something like yep. that. I come in there early in the morning, one of those days where you're actually by yourself, which is rare on the road. And I remember I'm in there watching tape, and you just popped your head in there and said, hey, we're getting ready to, to, to watch last week's game if you want to pop in here. So I came in there with your staff, your entire okay. staff just sat there, and we just broke down the tape and watched it. And I thought, okay, now this is a good dude, man. Because as scouts. I remember that, I remember that now. As scouts, there's times where, you know, it's not it's a little bit of a cold yeah. shoulder. But, man, yeah. you were wide open. Yeah. And something that I know every scout appreciates yeah. how open you've been with everybody. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Coach, one of the things we're trying to talk to a lot of coaches about here, quarterback position is the yeah. most difficult one to scout, as you know. Looking at kids in high school, 
if you could just narrow it down, I know just one trait, the one thing they got to have. You can work with some other things, arm strength, this, that, or the other, but the one thing they have to possess to have a chance at your level. Wow. <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I'm always, I'm still, I kind of learned this from Bill Parcells, I'm still looking for size mm-hmm. with athletic ability. Now, it might not be they have to run a 4-6, f- mm-hmm. but they can move in the pocket and be able to make throws without having their have their feet set. And I think that's so critical, and they can still be accurate. So we're looking for size, ability to move, and be accurate when they have to move or move in the pocket and slide. And they don't have to throw it always at the same level and be pretty. They can be accurate that way and have a quick release. So um, that's what we look for. And then after that, I'm looking for all the intangibles. Mm-hmm. You know, once I get to try to get to know them, try to see different things with them. How do you do that through the um, recruiting process? Well, with quarterbacks, it's a little bit easier a little bit easier because um, I call them the golden child. They kind of start getting recruited earlier. They kind of go around more. So they come on your campus a couple more times. You're able to spend a little bit more time with them. Uh, usually they like to talk on the phone a little bit more than the other guys. So you can kind of get to know them. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm also you know I'm looking for a guy um, just like the rest of my players. I really still look for a guy with a chip on his shoulder. I really don't want a guy that thinks he's – all that he's got all the answers already and that he thinks that we're there to serve him and I want I want a quarterback who wants to come in and wants to serve others and when they have that heart and that attitude I believe that the kids the other players will buy into it but if they think they're all that I don't I've seen that falter a lot more times than I have the other way congratulations on your success right, thank you we've been fans of the way you do business and we're excited for the future there Colorado right, appreciate it thank, thank you very you, much sir. thank you all right, excited to be joined by Arizona head coach Rich Rodriguez. Coach, thanks for taking some time for us here. Thanks for having me. This is good. All right, well, you're, you're, a, you're a, f- a friend of ours because from our scouting days, you're always wide open. You always treated us well. I, I've always uh, appreciated that. Your philosophy standpoint, dealing with scouts that come yeah, through, Coach. I wonder why you wouldn't. Want, I mean, some, you know, a lot of coaches are paranoid anyway, but, I mean, when you have an NFL scout or an NFL uh, staff member wanting to come and look at your guys, isn't that what you want? <laughs> and so we built a room just for the scouts, you know, which is pretty nice. And then we're open about it. I mean, the guys are going to be professional. They're not going to talk about schemes or whatever. They just want to look at your guys. So we, we appreciate the attention. Before we get to talking about this year's Arizona team, I want to go back and, and talk about where you kind of formed this offense. Because I went to Appalachian mm-hmm. State, played quarterback there, and I f- finished up in 2000. Before my senior year, our staff went down to Clemson and spent yeah. time with you and brought some of your stuff up. And I told Bucky, I said, man, I wish I, I was a run-around quarterback a little bit. I said, I wish I could have played in this system for a full – for a full four years, but where yeah. did you start forming your offensive philosophy? We really started uh, when I was at Glenville State, and that's a little old small school, Division II school in the middle of West Virginia. And we did it out of necessity. You know, that's where everything gets invented, right out of necessity. But I had a, I had a, you know, a bunch of little short, stubby linemen. I said I can get five of them, get run over slowly. I had me about a. <laughs> A 5'10 quarterback that could throw it. Uh, he wasn't a runner then. And then I had, I said, I can get some skill guys and I'll just spread people out and, you know, run a two-minute drill the whole game because you can control conditioning, right? Well, we wind up doing it, and then the zone read thing kind of came by accident toward the end of that deal. And then I go to, you know, Tulane had Sean King there, and he could run a little bit, not as fast as he thinks, but he could run a little <laughs> bit. And then, then I had Woody Dantzler at Clemson who could really Which run. Role? And then when I go to West Virginia, all of a sudden you recruit a guy like Pat White oh, yeah. and, and they take it to another dimension. So it, it kind of morphed over the time. And then, you know, as coaches, there's no patents on schemes. And so, you, didn't, you know, everybody learns from everybody else in this profession. But it was – and it's evolved since then with the RPOs and some of the other stuff that, that we're doing. But it was fun. The first few years, 
you know, as I always said at Glenville when we first did it, there was only 500 people in the stands, and I'm related to 490 of them. So, no, <laughs> I got a standing ovation after a first down. I'm like, hell, I ain't never leaving this place. This is perfect. <laughs> I wound up staying there seven years, but it was good. You know, Coach, so much of our league, you, I know you hear, and I know college coaches get frustrated when they hear NFL people talk about the lack of quarterbacks or quarterbacks not being developed and those things. As a college coach, what do you look for in a quarterback, and what are we as NFL people missing when it comes to evaluating the quarterback well, position? Well, there's a talk about, okay, you know, it is it's kind of amusing. It's like, you know, if you if you haven't played under center and, done, you know, you're playing a pro style. Last I looked at the league in the NFL, I mean, 65, 68% of the snaps are in the shotgun. Even higher. I could yeah. Teach, yeah, I could teach a third grader how to take a three-step drop under center in about five minutes. But to teach a guy to catch and throw without the laces in, in the shotgun, that's a learned skill. So I think guys are more prepared believe it or not, to get rid of the ball quicker and make faster reads in the NFL now than they were 10, 15 years ago. I watched Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and them dudes are catching and throwing and, and making quick decisions without and throwing without the laces. They weren't doing that 10, 15, 20 years ago at any level. So uh, I think guys are more prepared. Now, that now from a scheme standpoint, what's different and what changes a little bit, and some of it obviously is – is the way the, the the leagues are developed, whatever, and the different levels that, you know, there's the way the terminology goes. There's some play calls in, the, in some systems that are whole paragraphs. Oh, yeah. I mean, you forget what you're calling by the time you get to the end of it. And in college, it's less wordy. Mm-hmm. And so that's an adjustment at times. But guys that are smart enough to play that position can learn the terminology and the play calls. Plus, you're calling plays through headsets. And so they don't necessarily have to do that. But uh, I don't think there's as much adjustment. You either can play or you can't play. What's the one thing or a couple things you're looking at when you're evaluating the quarterback, though? I mean, you say, okay, you got to start with this, you got to have this, and I can work around everything else. Well, I mean, you want, you know, for us, you hopefully you have a guy that's athletic enough to run and make, you know, if he's fast, fast, then he makes big runs instead of normal runs. Uh, and everybody's got to be able to throw. But uh, uh, more than anything, I always talk equated to for us, we want a quarterback that's like a point guard that can shoot to three. Mm-hmm. You know the Steph Curry kind. They can, you know, he'll he. If you give him the three, he'll shoot the three. But if you play him tight, he's going to drive to the basket. You know, maybe closer to Kyrie Irving or something. Now I'm going to start getting a LeBron nice. James. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but if he's a point guard and all he can do is shoot and he can't drive, or if all he can do is drive and he can't shoot, then you're going to be limited a little bit. That doesn't mean he can't be good, but you're going to be limited. You know, the point guard that can shoot the three, and it's not only when you're passing. You know, passing it to the right guy, it's the timing of it. It's like leading a fast break, right? If, you, if you're if you a two-on-one and you pass it too soon, the guy can defend both of you. Yeah. But if you draw him to you and then pass it, and that's what, like in college with the RPOs and, and some of the, the run-pass stuff and the things that you do, that's really where it separates the good ones from the, from the average ones. Joined by Oregon head coach, new head coach, Willie Taggart. Coach, uh, thanks for t- spending some time with us here. Before we before we get to the Ducks, uh, from you know our scouting background, we're always looking to, to the next level and to the future. I want to get your take just on one of your players at your previous stop and your quarterback, Quentin Flowers. Um, phenomenal athlete, um, really good football player, you know, and uh, he's one of those guys that changed, changed the game for us down there. You know, uh, he was fun to watch, he's a great football player to watch. He's going to always do some that's – excite you you know and um there's plenty of time where he'll do something like no 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 yeah 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 <laughs> you know, he'll go but uh he is he is one heck of a football player i remember watching we, we both are big fans of your running back last year coming into the draft yes. and then also had your receiver you had a, you had a bunch of dudes but every time i would watch south florida either with you or watching somebody else against you i'm like 
why is nobody talking about this quarterback, yeah. man? This dude's making all kinds of plays. Yeah, he, he's, he's a dude, yeah. you know. And, um, again, he's a really good football player and, and one of those kids that love to play the game, highly competitive, you know. But he's, he's one of those guys, too, to get his football team to play for him, you know. And, um, and that's what changed the game for us down there. You know, Coach, and, and thinking about that, we, we're really fascinated by quarterbacks and quarterback play, and there are a couple of different things that I'll ask. But first, um, you were a guy that – you're more pro-style when you were at previous stops, more traditional kind of Sunday football. South Florida is somewhere in there you change. Mm-hmm. As a coach, do you build your program around what your quarterbacks can do when it comes to game planning, or are you a guy that we have a system and our guys need to fit what we do? Um. Really, you try to put guys in a position to be successful, you know, what they can do well. And uh, we were West Coast at WKU, and when we got to South Florida, and it wasn't working the way we wanted to. Part of it, we didn't necessarily have all the personnel, but as those guys, as we recruited and got guys in there, uh, we, for me personally, went back and watched some of the high school film. <laughs> these guys are pretty good doing these things. And then one day, one week, open week, uh, I was like, well, let's try some of this spread stuff with Quentin. And, again, we had never done it before. We did it within one week, and it was, boom. It was simple, and it was going fast. And and then that, that same season, uh, we won four ball games, and the four games we won, we were in two-minute mode. Mm-hmm. And our guys was just having fun playing ball, and it was – for me, it was like these guys screaming to me, Coach, we need to go this route. So <laughs> uh, at the end of the season, we committed to um, going to the spread. You know, we, we talked and watched a lot of a lot of um, teams out there. And we, we watched Oregon. We watched um, Baylor. We watched Auburn, Clemson. And we kind of put it all together, you know, and put it all and made it one, made it unique for us. You know, and it, again, it made a world of a difference. Our players had fun doing it, and we set all kinds of records there at USF, and, and our football program turned around. So when you're looking at quarterbacks now going forward, you're, you're recruiting high school kids. Uh, what are some of those maybe two or three core traits you're looking at and saying, okay, we can work around everything else, but he's got to have this? Well, he's got to be accurate throwing the football, you know, and making smart decisions. You know, I think any quarterback out there, you want them to take care of the football and make um, – and being able to make the throws and, and being accurate with it, you know, um, being smart, highly competitive, you know, probably one of the most important things is being tough, mm-hmm. you know, physically and mentally. You know, everybody's watching them, his teammates watching them, and you want them to be mentally tough and, and show that with his teammates and physically. You know, um, you like a guy that can get you two, at least two first downs with his feet. You know, if you can get a guy like that, I can work with that guy. You know, <laughs> get you out of a little trouble. Exactly just need to get me right. out of a little trouble. Exactly right. Exactly right. You know, but he's got to be a winner. If he's a winner in high school, and there's a chance he'll be a winner in, in college. So we, this Gosh, is interesting because that, this has come up. Something else that has come up. So we've talked. Every coach that comes to, we always are just fascinated by that position. So in in the NFL, it's a hardest it's hardest one to scout. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it's like that even going down into high school. But we've had a couple guys that have mentioned this now winning. So let me present a scenario where you've got a kid with unbelievable physical tools. He's at a high school program. They win three games. Is that a deal breaker for you? Well, it depends who we have around them. You know, you got to have pieces too. A quarterback can't be good if you don't have a good receiver. Yeah. You know, or some good back to take take it off from. So I think you got to look in high school. You got to look at the the big picture. Just what else do we have with him? You know, but um, him being pretty good. Um, but if it's close, if it's close between player A and player B, can that be a deciding factor that hey, this kid? rattled off this, oh. that, or the other win-wise, and the other kid was on a, on a tough team. Well, again, like I say, it depends on who he had around him. You yeah. know, I think that makes – I mean, I don't 
they got these great quarterbacks, but they got guys to throw to and catching the ball and doing things for them. Are they in a great system, mm-hmm. or are they on a team that's just more dominant than the others? You yeah. know, you got to look at all of those. You know, but I know watching high school film, I go back to film, don't lie. And if they're playing against someone that's not as good, then you expect for them to dominate. That's what you look for. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be playing on that same level. Yeah. You know. Um, but again, usually if you're you're good in high school, you make plays in high school. You're gonna make plays in college. You know, so so now they're bringing it forward. You're in a conference that has a lot of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks kind of drive who's wins in this thing. So when you're looking at the quarterbacks in this league, what are some of the common denominators that you see from the really good ones? Um, they're highly competitive, you know, and their football teams are winning. It goes hand in hand. They're hand in hand, you know. And and you, you just when you watch them play, you can tell that their team rally around them. You know, I look at the quarterback at Washington. You watch them; those guys rally around here. You look at Sam Donald. You know, those guys rallied around him and playing. And to me, that's a special trait to have. You know, and that's that's a lot of things that's happening off the field, not just on the field. You know, and um, so I think that's that's really important. Now, you talked about that because you talked about it you, at South Florida with Quentin Flowers and how the guys kind of played for him. What is that? Can you quantify what that it factor is? Is that something that you just you, – you know it when you see it? But it's it, – like how do you quantify that? How do you know if that, a player has that? Well, I think one of them is you see the relationship with their players. When, when you see them just walking around and how they interact with their teammates, you know, I think that says a lot about that that quarterback you look at the response you get from your teammates when that quarterback make a play in practice it tells you a lot you know or you look at when someone bumped the quarterback when they shouldn't them and how guys react to it that <laughs> says a lot you know about how guys feel about those guys you know and then just those guys the way they play and the motion that they show and I mean I think that makes a big difference in in being a great quarterback and one guy well getting guys that want to play for you the last question on the quarterback thing for me in the scouting community, the teams I worked for, we were always responsible. If we had a quarterback in our area, we had to see him play live. And it was mm-hmm. kind of some of the stuff you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We want to see how they interact with their teammates. When you're recruiting at that at that position, guys have their different areas they're responsible for. I know it's difficult during the season, but do you try and get a set of eyes on a live game at that position in high school? We, we do. We uh, we always go out and watch a kid play yeah. at some point. You know, um, and Nowadays, you get all these cut-ups. Yeah. Which is good, and, and usually the highlights are all good plays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and at that position, to me, you want to you wanna see how a, guy, how a guy respond after throwing an interception mm-hmm. and making a bad throw. I think that's more important than anything, you know. Um, um, you also want to see a game and just see how that, the quarterback uh, make plays on third down. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really important. You know, that's really important to move the chain. You know, first down, it's easy to just – Drop back and do some things, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But that that money down, you want to see how they react, and I think that's so important. Coach, you're a popular man. I know you got to run, but we appreciate you taking some time. With man, us I appreciate you guys. Cool. All right, thanks. Hey, have coach. a great day if you All want right. to. Excited to be joined by Arizona State head coach Todd Graham. Coach, uh, I think the biggest challenge of any coach or program is finding the right guy at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this game and you talk about the development of the position. What are the core traits that you look for at that position? It's really simple. You know, I've, I've, I've uh, been doing this a long time, and uh, I've never had a quarterback controversy that was very controversial on the team. <laughs> Everybody knows who it is. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, we had these guys that – you know, we had three guys when I first got to Arizona State, and you you, you watched, you know, two of them throw the football. You just go, golly. I mean, they would just kill Taylor Kelly in a quarterback competition. But Taylor Kelly, man, 
was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not any question about it. And he, after the first four days of camp, now we didn't name him till the last week. And there were there was competition, no doubt, because you know Mike Berkovich is extremely talented. But Taylor's a guy who won 28 football games with, and it's just simple. You know, you got to have leadership at at your quarterback position. And here's the deal: a lot of people don't know how to define that. Mm-hmm. It's simply this: it's got to be a person that sets the standards when it comes to the values of your program. And they have to elevate the other ten guys. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 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 watching every day, and guy, you can tell by the way they interact and they get in that huddle, the belief. Because man, it's it's about respect, man. You respect a guy, man, that that can get it done, and and and, and how he does anything's how he does everything, right? Quarterback standard is is really really high. I, t- I tell our coaches all the time. I said, you know, my mentality, I'm pretty pretty passionate, pretty type A guy. I'm saying, you know, I don't want me to be the quarterback. Uh, we want a guy much more, much even, more, even. much more even than that. You know? And 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 I'm saying, man, I tell our guys this. I say, hey, man, when that guy earns that job, man, there's a respect that comes along. It's so important. We can't be yelling and screaming at the quarterback on game day. I mean, you can yell and scream at him in a week if you want to, but not not on game day. And so it's really, I've never been on a team. It'll separate itself. And you just all you got to do is watch who's the guy that takes team down, and scores. That's it, man. I mean, yeah. and, and, and to be a leader, you got to elevate the other people around you. And then when it comes to our – who are we? Man, we're about character, smart, disciplined, tough. We're a disciplined program. So, they got, you know, two out of the three quarterbacks we've had at Arizona State with a scholar athlete of the year in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I like that because I'm trusting those guys with my job. So, I, I, want guys, <laughs> I want guys that are very dependable. Here with our good friend, uh, Stanford head coach, David Shaw. Coach, I uh, appreciate you taking some time. One of the things we've been asking all, all the coaches that have rolled through here um, with our kind of fascination with the quarterback position, we've talked about this a little bit before, but if you could kind of narrow it down when you're recruiting and you're evaluating that position, what the two or three most important factors are at the top of your list? Because it's fascinating. You can imagine with the different offenses in this league, we've got a lot of different answers. Oh, there's no question. And for us, it's maybe a little unique uh, in our conference and really in the nation. Um, but for me – to be able to see a young man stand tall in the pocket and throw the ball between windows uh, inside the, the hashes. I mean, that's, that's our football. That's NFL football. And so we, we love the NFL prototype guys. We would love to have some measure of size, uh, some measure of athleticism. Um, they got to be athletic. I love it when they play another sport. I love it when they play basketball or baseball or something else. I love when they have something else that they do. Um, but the thing for us, we'd love to have some kind of stature. they got to have great feet, hopefully a quick release. And I try not to mess with their release because that's just who they are. But at the same time, you know, a guy throws 40 bubble screens in a game, that, that's going to be hard for me to evaluate. So for us, if they're coming from that kind of a style, high school, I have to see them live. I have to see them on our campus. I have to see them in our camp before I can make a true determination um, of, what, of whether or not they can fit in our, in our, in our world. You know, Coach, and, and, and think about that and continue to play it forward because you've had great quarterbacks that you've been around, that you've coached. Those traits are essential, but from an intangible standpoint, what are you looking for from guys that are your field generals? The other part of coming to campus is they're going to sit down and talk ball with us. I want to know what they understand. I want to know what they're looking at. And at an early age, they're not really sure sometimes, but if guys can verbalize it and you can get them to kind of see it, and, and, and can, they, can they talk the game? Can they absorb the game? 
because we're going to ask our quarterback to see the front for the running game and see the coverage for the passing game, be able to go through protections, be able to change protection from one protection to another, uh, know that I just changed my hot by changing my protection. Now it's, now my hot's on the left. It's not on the right anymore, and now I have this breakoff. Now I have all these things that I have to see. Um, they got to have some football acumen. they got to have some football, uh, some football smarts. Um, so we, we try to diagnose that early on, knowing full well, though, that once we get them, we're going to teach them. But there has to be some general understanding uh, of, of the game of football that does not just involve throwing the ball from point A to point B. Well, Bucky, I thought it was a, a really informative couple days for us here. We got a chance not only to speak to some of these players, some of which we're going to see in this next draft class, others a little further down the line. But, man, to me, the quarterback position is, is obsessed as we are with it. I thought we got some great answers from these coaches. Great answers, great nuggets from these coaches. And I think the common denominator, you want a leader, you want a guy that's a great decision maker, someone who is very accurate when it comes to throwing the ball, and they need to be athletic. I love what we were able to take from this because I think it will help me and maybe even you when it comes to evaluating the draft prospects that we're going to see over the next year. Point guards, baby. Get us some point guards. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Look, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of fun down here at the Pac-12 Media Day. Thanks to the Pac-12 for allowing us to set up shop here. Uh, something we need to do more of in the future. I say, hey, we got to get take this thing on the road, man. Sully, I don't know if you can make this happen, but we like to get this uh, SEC, ACC, wherever the quarterbacks are. Let's just chase the quarterbacks. Chase the quarterbacks. Can't let's, go wrong. Let's do a SEC. You know, I'll always be down to go to Hoover. Yeah, you're down yeah. with that. Hey, no doubt. Anyways, a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. We're off to training camps, Bucky, so we're going to have tons of NFL content moving forward here as we get a chance to visit some of these teams, see how these young guys are doing, and uh, some other exciting things in the hopper here for Move the Stick. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.